that tail shaft on your car, is it operating in phase or out of phase? Just missed it by that much. And how would you know? Let us drill down into the beer garden engineering of that next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars. <coughs> Cheap. I do. But Australia only. Website. Card. Now, we're about to teleport to the Fat Cave Physics Lab, which has a beer garden, because physics lab, come on. Even so, this is going to be a reasonably harsh one, and I'm not expecting all of us to make it out alive. So if you've got them, set your phasers on stun and prepare, but first. This video is sponsored by Olight. Halloween sale ends tonight, Friday the 28th of October at midnight. And if you are logged in on purchase, you will find yourself getting a free i3e zombie green torch, complete with blood spatter. May not be real blood. Baton 3, also zombified aesthetically for the sale. Magnetic tail cap that doubles as the recharger attachment point. It's ideal for your handbag, dude. 1,200 lumens and just 53 grams. 35% off until midnight. Javelot Mini now. Javelot is, of course, Olight speak for searchlight. The reflector grabs 1,000 lumens, focuses it into a hotspot and hurls it 600 metres down the track. Javelot Mini will go in your pocket, but it's better in the included plastic holster, which is both belt and pack friendly. Fortitude is the first non-folding O-knife I've been up close and personal with. This one has a D2 blade, which is a high carbon, high chromium tool steel with excellent edge retention and toughness characteristics. It's got a full tang, clip point, flat grind, so essentially designed for hardcore outdoor adventuring and survival. It's gonna be pretty hard to break, including in terms of the bank. You'll get 35% off, so just under a hundred bucks until midnight. The new Haloop, less of a zombie slayer and more of a barbecue area lighting upgrade. And no electrician required for this one, obviously. USB-C rechargeable, it's got warm and cool modes, stepless dimming from 10 to 600 lumens, you can hang it, you can screw it to a light stand, or you can just clamp it to your big barbecue brolly, dude. And after a few drinks, it starts looking just like the Jupiter 2 from Lost in Space. So that's nice. 30% off, meaning under $120 until midnight. Links in the description and a code for 12% off should you miss the sale. I use an Olight every day, so I have no hesitation recommending it to you. It's the Warrior Mini 2, which is good for dealing with up to three zombies at a time, at least in my experience. These make great Christmas presents. And thank you sincerely to Olight for once again supporting the channel. Now, I got this really interesting question from a dude named Rob Kennedy just the other day. Bob Kennedy, BK, who says, Oh, John, I recently purchased, well, it's now over a year old, a brand new 2021 XLT Ford Ranger automatic, and I've noticed the tail shaft is out of phase. F-A-S-E. 
Z-E, as they say in America. Why am I talking like Rob? My father has an early 2000 model 79 series Land Cruiser and its tail shaft is also out of phase. I'm speaking to Ford. Ford advised me it's very hard to read the way people write it. Honestly, it is. Full stops are important. I'm speaking to Ford. Ford advised me that this is done for balancing reasons. I don't think so. Shaft out of phase, in my opinion, would cause vibration and load up different components in the drivetrain. Ford has said to me that this is not a problem. It's not a problem to them, it's your car, dude. And therefore, your problem, isn't it? So my question to you is, are manufacturers deliberately placing tail shafts out of phase to reduce vibration in the driveline? I don't see how, although I'm not a driveline expert, but I did do research on this and I can't find any reference to intentional out of phasedness in drivelines and I can find a hell of a lot of references to how friggin' important it is to have them in phase and we'll get to that in just a second. If so, in your opinion, would this be putting load upon pinion bearings and output shaft bearings of differentials and gearboxes? Would you also believe a warranty claim may be warranted for premature failure on said components? Thank you for your time in reading this and hopefully get a reply. Well, not hopefully about it, BK. Getting a reply, dude, definitely. Because this is a, a pretty interesting topic, okay? Just drilling down on it momentarily, and apologies, dude, but I didn't have a drive shaft just lying around that I could hack up and hold in front of you like this, so we're going to use the high-tech miracle of the open-ended spanner prop. Let's just think about a universal joint like this. You've seen a universal joint. They go together like this, right? Now, if this is a tail shaft, then you've got a universal joint here, and you've got another universal joint here, don't you? And one of those universal joint ends goes into the diff, and the other one up here comes out of the gearbox and the drive is transmitted like that. Now, this set of universal joints is in phase because guess what? The two bits line up, okay? Imagine if the spanner was just twisted. We get it in a vise or a press or something and we give it a bit of a tweak and it stays tweaked. Then these two yokes are no longer going to line up. And that means that the tail shaft will be out of phase. At the moment, it's in phase, right? Because they line up pretty clearly. But if they're out of phase, that's a real problem. Because if you think about just one universal joint, when it turns, you think about one revolution, okay? This is a very grown-up concept, okay? The angular speed of the shaft is not constant over one revolution. It's kind of notchy. And if you ever get a universal joint in your hands and you make it a big angle, like most universal joints will operate up to 45 degrees, although it's not recommended because the wear rate goes through the roof, but they will operate. If you go more than 45 degrees, they get kind of notchy, okay? And it's because the velocity ratio is not the same at every point in the rotation. This is important to realise. What it means is that across one revolution of a tail shaft, there's a speedy bit and a slow bit, and then it goes back to speedy, okay? And you can measure the RPMs of a tail shaft. You can put a little white marker on it and use one of those beamy things and just measure how many RPM it is, and you can say, oh, it's doing 2,000 RPM or whatever. That's great, dude. But it's not 
doing 2000 RPM constantly. For one part of the revolution, it's going to be a little bit faster, and from one part, it's going to be a little bit slower. If the tail shaft yokes are in phase, the fast bit up this end is going to be in the same position as the fast bit down this end. And that's kind of important. Because if there's a slower bit here at every point in the revolution where this is fast and it's faster here where this one wants to be slow, it kind of puts all this torsional stress into the shaft, doesn't it? And that can lead to vibrations and harshness and things of that nature, which is wholly undesirable. So when you make a one-piece tail shaft, it's kind of important to build it on a jig that makes sure that the yokes welded onto each end to receive the universal joints are coplanar, right? So in line, in a flat plane, yeah? That kind of makes sense. And if you've got one of those shafts where there's actually a spline in the centre, then it's kind of important when you put it back together that you line it up so that the yokes line up and it's not just one spline out. It's also kind of important from a balance point of view when you've got one of these two-piece shafts that you don't put it back 180 degrees the wrong way because then the first order balancing weights that are welded onto the shaft up one end of the, or the other and or the other they're going to be in exactly the wrong spot. So it'll actually amplify the imbalance if you do that, right? So if you pull a two-piece shaft apart, just get your center punch, get one of these little automatic ones, and just put two little pops down here, right, like that, and then put two little pops there, like that, only two of them, so that when you pull it apart, when you put it back together, you can see the pop marks, and they just go back together like, yes! So that's the basic theory about in-phase and out-of-phase with a tail shaft. And if you are a driveline expert and you know of any case whatsoever where a tail shaft can be assembled intentionally out of phase to make things better, please let me know in the comments because I'm unaware of any of that and I went looking for it additionally. Okay, I went looking for sort of academic design pieces, articles, research notes, whatever, on designing shafts for this reason. And maybe I just had a boy's look instead of a girl's look or something, but I couldn't find any uh, evidence that shafts can be intentionally designed like that to make anything better. My only, all of the research I did indicates that it can only make things worse. But if you're an expert at that, let us know in the comments and I'll do a follow-up video on it if my take on this is completely wrong. I'm, I'm really crying out for your help here if you know better than me on this, okay? Now, this is interesting in relation to the Ranger because shortly after the deployment of the brand new Ranger, the model year 23 Ranger, in about July, there were a whole bunch of noises on forums about driveline vibrations in the new Ranger and it was across all models so it was across the V6 diesel and the two-litre bi-turbo four-cylinder diesel right and uh, Australia's second most hated motoring journalist Joshua Dowling did a pretty interesting report on drive on that now this happened a couple of months later like on the 2nd of September on drive.com.au so the bridesmaid Josh who's never going to be the bride of being hated because you know, here's what he did. He, he he went to some function or he 
interviewed Andrew Burkich, who's, you know, Big Burke is the boss of Ford in Australia. And I'm going to quote from Josh's story because he was there, okay? The quote is, in an interview during the media preview for the Ranger Raptor, the boss of Ford Australia, Andrew Burkich, told Drive, quote, we've had some Rangers that have exhibited some harshness or vibrations at certain times when driving. The quote goes on and says, so as part of the pre-delivery process, dealers will do a road test and work with the customer if any issues are identified. If the drive shaft needs to be repaired or replaced, then we will do that. Now, Josh's story goes on and says, when asked to clarify if the tail shafts were out of balance, Big Burke said, we're not going into details, but we always take customer concerns very seriously. And we are heavily focused on quality as a company. Well, they would be, wouldn't they? Because they're so bad at it. Anyway, he goes on and says, our focus right now needs to be on identifying the issues. And if we do have an issue with a vehicle, we need to address it as soon as possible and as appropriately as possible. So we're not going into any details. If the problem exists, and everyone knows it exists, and it's in the media domain as existing, what would be wrong with just manning up, fessing up, and telling everyone what the problem is? Because as I see it, there can only be two problems, one of two problems, okay? There could be a primary out of balance, which is a matter to do with the weights that get welded on. They're little discs like this that wrap around the tail shaft. They're like washers without a hole that just get welded on, and it's part of the balancing process. So you assemble your tail shaft, you cut the tube to length, and you weld the yokes on to the end of it, and then you put it on a dynamic balancing machine and you figure out it's just like balancing a friggin tire dude they put weights on it only in the case of a tail shaft they weld them on instead of just sort of hammering them onto the the edge of a steel rim or gluing them onto the inside of an alloy it's a balancing issue so that's potential problem number one and potential problem number two is not getting the quality control right at the factory and having this yoke welded at a bit of an angle to this one. And that's a real problem because if they're replacing the tail shafts, I think it's problem number two out of phase, right? I really do because if it's problem number one, you could just take it to the local driveline dude and put it on the balancer and balance the bloody thing by changing the weights. So it's probably not that. They could turn that around in a day in major metro centres at least. It's probably an assembly problem with the tail shaft. Now, my understanding of tail shafts in cars is that they have to be within about three degrees of bang on to, be, to qualify as not being out of phase and of course the faster you turn the shaft the bigger the problem is so when you're talking about overdriven transmissions you really are talking about shafts coming out sort of faster than the engine right and you're generally not running up near v max for the engine but by the same token at high road speeds the tail shaft is turning fairly quickly and small amounts of imbalance or out of phasedness can have a real impact potentially and 
this is kind of that. So I guess what I'm saying is the outtake is a few things, right? If you're driving around and you notice this driveline vibration and you go down all these rabbit holes, like the first thing you would do if you notice a sort of wheel frequency, driveline frequency kind of vibration, is you'd get your wheels and tyres rebalanced. So you just pull them off the car, put them on a balancer, and see if that makes the problem go away. And if it doesn't, then maybe you can get the wheels balanced on the car because there might be an out-of-balance aspect to one of the brake discs or something of that nature, and you can cure that by getting them balanced on the car. Where they leave them on the car, they spin them up with a machine, they measure the vibration, and they put counterweights on, right? Now, if that doesn't work, I guess you're down to pulling out the tail shaft and checking if it's balanced. And if you get it rebalanced and that doesn't work, or while it's out, you would just want to get somebody to put it in a jig and go like that, would you not? Because if you do and you notice that the front end's at a bit of an angle to the back end, then... Houston, I think we found the cause of our main bus B undervolt. And given that this is a Ranger that we're talking about here and is being built in the same factory as the new one and probably by the same supplier, and I don't even know if the tail shaft is substantially different or different at all in the new one, but it's probably likely to be lunching off some of the same tooling at the very least, in which case that's likely to be a problem. And it's likely to be a quality control thing because Ford is historically shit at quality control. And you can mask some of those kinds of things with you know, rubber mounts and things of that nature, but only to a degree. So if you get a particularly bad one, then the rubber is unlikely to be able to attenuate that everywhere, especially in the worst case scenario. So anyway, I hope that has not made your head friggin' explode on an otherwise perfectly serviceable Friday afternoon, but that's definitely a problem. And once again, if you are that driveline dude, and that's all you do, and you're a real expert at that, and you can come up with the case for why a prop shaft in a car would be intentionally designed so that the yokes were out of phase even if only by this much please do let me know in the comments because i'd be fascinated by that and if you're still listening now then i guess you would be too right